Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Interpret it that way versus a lot of the other ways. And if you do just those three things, you'll see a massive improvement in both morale, retention rates, as well as ability to attract the right talent. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday you're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best of your listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm your host, Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Chris Tuff. Chris, how are you doing today? Awesome. Good to catch up. Absolutely, Chris. I appreciate you coming on the show. And well, Chris is actually a repeat guest, so make sure you check out his first episode, which we will link to in the show notes. And since he's a repeat guest, we are going to do a skill set Sunday because today is Sunday. So we're going to talk about a specific skill that Chris has and how that could apply to you as real estate investors. Before we get into that, a little bit about Chris's background as a refresher. He is an expert in working with millennials and getting high levels of production from them. He is the youngest partner in the 100-year history of Atlanta-based advertising firm 22 Squared where he turned a team of millennials from an investment to a major profit center. He is based in Atlanta, Georgia, and you can say hi to him at themillennialwhisperer.com slash best ever, which we will also link to in the show notes. So Chris, before we hop into the skill that we're going to talk about today, which is going to be the six ways the business landscape will change yeah. as baby boomers retire and millennials take over, yeah. do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what sure. you're focused on today? So my background, I grew up in the tech space, was one of the first advertisers to work directly with Mark Zuckerberg, right? When he was graduating out of the colleges into the real world. And people ask me what he was like back then. And I will attest to how far he's come with his interpersonal communication because I sat at dinner with him and he didn't say one thing the whole dinner. It was like a group of us. So I kind of fell into this niche spot within the digital social media emerging media world. 
and grew within that niche to kind of one of the leading experts and go-to people, which brought me to my agency where I'm a partner, 22 Squared, 10 years ago. And it was during that 10 years, I've always been surrounded by millennials. And I was so sick and tired of everyone taking them down that on an executive retreat, felt inspired to introduce myself instead of as the digital and social media expert, which I had for so many years. I was like, I, I don't really know what I do anymore, but we've got 390 employees at our firm. And I'm kind of like the millennial whisperer. And it was from that point forward that Tommy Breedlove, who I didn't know at the time, who's turned into one of my best friends, he challenged me to at the fire. He goes, you better write that book. And <laughs> I wrote the book. Here we are nine months later, we've sold over 50,000 copies of it. And we are now trying to really bring it into the world. And we're going to be releasing an online work series, training series. We're doing a bunch of consulting gigs at Fortune 50 companies around the US. And I'm finally starting to feel like have the impact that I intended this book to have. And what's the title of the book? It's called The Millennial Whisperer. And okay. for those that have not spelled millennial recently, it's a difficult word to spell. <laughs> it really is. It's two L's <laughs> and two N's. It is. And some people, two L's and one N. And so yeah, themillennialwhisperer.com is where you can find a lot of this stuff. And you can find my book at Amazon and, and your local book retailer. Perfect, perfect. So the skill we're going to talk about today is basically how the business landscape is going to change as the baby boomers exit the workforce and the millennials make up the main part of the workforce. But one thing that I wanted to ask you, because I see a million different definitions, quite literally, yeah. of what a millennial is. So from your perspective, what is a millennial? 1981 to 1996. And I set out in my book, The Millennial Whisperer, that it's really two different generations. And it's what I call the younger millennials or the older millennials. And what makes them different are two main factors, which is when they adopted technology in their lives. And then when the recession of 2008 either hit them or their parents. And so instead of trying to cast a wide net, like a lot of us do, instead of doing that, actually treat them as two very different generations within that. So 1981 to 1996, an application that's 23-year-olds to 37-year-olds. So the ones that are graduating right now, that is actually Gen Z. Mm -hmm. So what I tell everyone is if you can get the younger millennials, and I'll talk about some of these things, obviously coming up, but if you can get the younger millennials, you can also get Gen Z. But don't even try with the younger millennials until you get the older millennials. Okay. So we'll talk about that. So 1981 to 1996. Correct. So you said there's two different generations. So 1981 to what would be older? I would say late 80s to 1990. And then younger millennials, really, I call them Oregon Trail millennials because older millennials, they played Oregon Trail as their computer indoctrination in high school. And younger millennials were given a brand new iPhone with a Snapchat account on it. And that's why I call them Snapchat millennials. So okay. I think that if you can ask, oh, did you play Oregon Trail or were you on Snapchat? And people will either be like, what's Oregon Trail? Or they're going to say, yeah, I'm all over Snapchat. But there's no distinct line with any of this stuff. But the important yeah. piece is to at least look at them differently. Okay. So let's go into this skill. So sure. you can take this any direction you want. Or we have six particular ways. So you want to just go down the list of six and I can ask follow-up questions after that? I can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to bang these out. And this is in no particular order. I would say one of the big things that people can 
start seeing in what millennials are going to be changing their, especially work environments around, is work flexibility. If you look at what millennials are looking for, according to the Deloitte Millennial Survey of 2018, you will find that work flexibility is one of those main pieces that they are demanding of their organizations. So one, work flexibility. The second piece is that they're looking for different things in their leadership. And the two pieces that are super important are one, inspiration, and two, autonomy. And I can talk more about what those look like. The third piece that you're going to start seeing in terms of this shift as boomers retire and millennials take over is millennials are demanding purpose out of their companies that they work for, but also they are demanding that they give back to the world around us and our environment. So if you don't stand for something and if you are not looking into lead certification for your buildings, et cetera, you will be losing clients. So super important, this overarching purpose piece. And that only gets more important as you look towards younger millennials into Gen Z. The next piece I would say is that our conditioning to brand loyalty as well as employee loyalty has gone out the window and that will continue. So the idea that someone might stay for five to 10 years to get the watch or the reward that your company might look for, that will continue to take the trend that no one's going to be staying places for as long as they were conditioned to, or at least the boomers were conditioned to. So be ready for that brand loyalty flip in terms of employees, but also in terms of businesses. People are willing to ditch businesses overnight if they find a better product or one that stands for something that's more important than the other ones. That's why these big CPGs and massive companies have been struggling so much in this new world where trends move faster than ever before. Mm -hmm. And then the last two things that I would add to that is reward and recognition for your employees. If it's not at the core of what you're doing, then you've got to start bringing it to the core of what you're doing. One of the big pieces of what makes this next generation and the one following it so different is there's a lot of truth to the fact that they are products of helicopter parents, as well as anytime they wanted any sort of recognition or boost, they would post to social media and get it. When they post a picture, they get their 120 mm -hmm. likes. And if they don't get their 120 likes, they take it down. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you have a program and pieces and tactics in place to reward and recognize your people. And then the last piece that I'll add to it, and this is more tactical for the listeners, but with work flexibility, as well as kind of, I think the trend that we've been seeing in terms of open work environments, I think we're going to see massive transitions there. And I'm not going to tell you exactly what those transitions will look like or what the workplace of the future should be, but I can tell you incorporate your people or the employees or the companies that you're working with to help dictate what those spaces should look like, make them a part of the process. And I think that's my probably juiciest for this discussion of things that people that are listening can do differently. So I can rant about any single one of those. Okay. But before we rant about anything, one of those, something you said multiple times when you were going through that is the conditioning. So the reason why the business landscape is going to change is because millennials were conditioned different than, than baby boomers. You gave a few examples of that, but what are some of the main 
differences in conditioning that millennials went through compared to previous generations? Well, the two main pieces are the recession and technology. So if you look at just technology, one of the things I emphasize to everyone is that what I'm saying is not that millennials are the best generation ever. What I'm saying is that this next generation and the one following it, Gen Z, have a lot of good and important points that we need to start incorporating into our businesses and our decision-making and use them as the catalyst towards change. At the same time, there's a lot of things these next generations can learn from us. They can learn from boomers before they're gone out of our corporations and retired because along with Gen Xers. So if you look at that whole picture, technology is massively important, but the other side of it is true as well, where we've got to help our people build that muscle with interpersonal communication. And if you look at even the simplest of things, the conditioning is just that older millennials and Gen X and boomers, in order to just flirt with someone, they had to pick up a phone, they had to call a house, they had to talk to a parent before they even got to this person on the other side. And then they would have to set up with that person, whoever it is that they wanted to flirt with, a time to actually meet up in person and get the permissions, et cetera, Mm -hmm. right? So all of that builds interpersonal muscle. It builds this EQ that you compare that to a first flirtation of a younger millennial and Gen Zer is actually all happening on their back in one moment via Mm -hmm. Snapchat or an Instagram story. So it's up to us to help build that in. And it's why I talk about rules that I have in place for the younger millennials and Gen Zers that are entering our workforce, that if you're in the same building as people, you've got to walk your butt over to their seat and not IM and not text and not do a lot of these things that they are conditioned to and comfortable with. So two main places is that conditioning piece. So I talked a lot about the technology influence and then also the helicopter parenting that a lot of that millennial generation was a product of. But then you look at the recession of 2008. And what's scary is that any older millennial that went through the recession of 2008, they built a resilience into their lives because they had to experience what it was like to go through a massive recession while having a job or losing their job. So there's more of that entrepreneurial spirit and ability to move around and jump shop to shop. The younger millennials saw their parents lose their jobs while they were in school. And then they inherited a bunch of student debt as a product of that and are actually looking for a place where they can hang their hat for a little bit longer. And then you go into Gen Z and Gen Z, they hardly even remember what it was like to go through a recession. So their conditioning is very different as they enter the workforce, whereas everyone else is like, "Uh uh-oh, when's this all going to end? When's it going to come tumbling down? These guys are just whistling as they rock and roll. And a lot of their priorities and what they're looking for are different because of that, which is this move to purpose and impact on a worldwide scale, et cetera. So that's my quick rant there. Okay, so we've got a little bit more time left. So of those six... The one I want to focus on is number two. So different things in leadership. I think that's something that as real estate investors, obviously, if you want to scale your business, you're going to need to create a team and you're going to have to work with millennials, obviously. So me as an investor, how should I be a leader if I want to attract millennials, if 
want to keep millennials and I want to get a lot of productivity out of my millennial employees. Sure. So the biggest thing is what millennials are looking for more than anything else is inspirational leadership. And the unfortunate side of what comes along with inspirational leadership is most leaders think they're inspirational, whereas in fact, they're not. It's why I created the Millennial Leadership Assessment, which can be found on my website. But the Millennial Leadership Assessment actually asks your people whether or not that leader is inspirational amongst eight, seven other points. So the first piece is you've got to be an inspirational leader. And if you're not an inspirational leader, maybe you're more of the order person and maybe you're more of the operations side. So pair yourself up with someone that is inspirational. So we've got to look at our pairing up teams and leading teams versus asking someone to be all things to all people. The second piece of leadership is autonomy. And the best example of autonomy in writing this book that I got was Ben Kirshner, who Forbes called out as the number one boss for millennials. And he and I had a discussion about what autonomy meant. And he reminded me of this thing that he tells his team every time they meet. And he goes, it's up to you to protect this house. And I said, well, tell me more. He was like, well, it comes from an Under Armour campaign. And anytime I get together with my team, I tell them whether it be a culture thing, whether it be unlimited paid vacation, whatever it is, I tell them it's up to you all to protect this house. So I push down that control, but I also emphasize the fact that we've got something worth fighting for. And I thought that was a great explanation of how you can take autonomy and bring it into your workplace. And then the third piece of leadership that I'll just quickly touch upon is transparency. And a lot of times when people hear about transparency, they think that it either needs to be monetary transparency or on the other side, vulnerability, where they have to cry in front of their people. And it's neither one of those things out of the gates. What it is, is they want to hear from you where it is that you're making your mistakes, where it is that you're gaining ground, and why you're making the decisions that you're making. They want context. They want to see the full picture. And what they're looking for in transparency is for you to help build that for them. So interpret it that way versus a lot of the other ways. And if you do just those three things, you'll see a massive improvement in both morale, retention rates, as well as ability to attract the right talent. All right, Chris, is there anything else that we haven't talked about as it relates to the change in the business landscape as boomers retire and millennials take over that we have not talked about already? No, but the one thing I'll end with is uh, a lot of the times, especially when talking about this move to work flexibility, where you ask any business leader, are they willing to provide the infrastructure for their people to not be stuck in traffic on Fridays for four hours and to give them four hours back to their bottom line or their billable rates or whatever it is? Are you willing to make the changes to let that happen? And a lot of the times their main obstruction to doing that or barrier is I had to do it this way. Why don't they? So I encourage everyone, especially in regards to work flexibility is find a way to at least move in that direction because it's such a simple fix that will, I think, alleviate so many of the issues as well as probably have the most immediate impact on morale as well as um, ROI and bottom line. Perfect. All right, Chris, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your wisdom on millennials. I definitely learned a lot and I think the best of your listeners will as well. 
And again, best of your listeners, try to think about this advice and, and process it and figure out how you can apply it to your business. So just to quickly summarize what Chris went over. So we defined what a millennial is, 1981 to 1996. And this is my first time hearing about breaking into the younger and the older, the Oregon Trail millennials and the Snapchat millennials. I really like those names. Basically, the differences are when they adopt the technology and then whether the recession hit them or their parents. And then we went over the six ways that the business landscape will change as baby boomers retire and millennials take over. I'm going to quickly run through those, but if you re-listen to the episode, we went into details on at least two of those. Number one is work flexibility. Number two is different things in leadership. Number three is demanding a purpose out of their company. Number four is brand loyalty and employer loyalty is no longer really a thing. Number five is reward and recognition of millennial employees. Number six is the open work environments and making them a part of the process of creating that work environment. And we also talked about the differences in conditioning between the boomers and the millennials. So if you want more details on these six different ways, as well as more details on just the millennial in general, make sure you check out Chris's book, The Millennial Whisperer, which we will link to in the show notes. He also mentioned a survey that you can download, the Millennial Leadership Assessment, that will let you know if you're a good leader or not by interviewing your millennial employees. So Chris, thanks again for joining us today. Best ever listeners, thanks for tuning in. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. You looking to take your real estate investing business to the next level this year? Well, if you want to learn the tips, tricks, and secrets that's led to 24 industry expert success, then you can go to theacademypresents.com. It's a three-day digital summit, March 26th through 28th. You can learn more at theacademypresents.com or you can simply text the word REI to 555-888.